Chapter 13 of Balsamo the Magician by Alexandre Dumas, translated by Henry L. Williams. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Nicole's Dower Nicole aided her young mistress in her traveling preparations with ardor, which speedily dissipated the cloud risen that morning between maid and mistress. The latter smiled as she found that she would have no need to scold her. "'She is a good, devoted girl, and grateful,' she mused. "'Only she has weaknesses like all womankind. Let us forget.' On her part, Nicole was not the girl not to watch her mistress's face, and she saw the kindliness increasing. "'I was a fool nearly to get into a scrape with her for that rascal Gilbert, when she is going to town, where everybody makes a fortune.' put my lace in my box stop i gave you that box i remember and you will want it as you are going to set up housekeeping oh my lady said nicole reddening and replying merrily my wedding garments will be easily kept in no great space how so i want you to be well off when you wed have you found me a rich match no but a dower of twenty-five gold pieces you would give me such a treasure emotion followed her surprise and tears gushed into her eyes as she kissed andrea's hand nicole began to think that gilbert had rejected her from fear of poverty and that now she had funds she had better marry the ambitious spark to whom she would appear more desirable but a germ of pride mingled with the generosity as she wanted to humble one who had jilted her. "'It looks as though you really loved your Gilbert,' observed the lady. "'How incredible for something in the lad to please you! I must have a look at this lady-killer next time I see him.' Nicole eyed her with lingering doubt. Was this deep hypocrisy, or perfect ignorance? "'Is Gilbert coming to Paris with us?' she inquired to be settled on the point what for he is not a domestic and is not fitted for a parisian establishment the loungers about tavernay are like the birds which can pick up a living on their own ground but in paris a hanger-on would cost too much and we cannot tolerate that if you marry him you must stay here i give you an hour to decide between my household or your husband's I detest these connubial details, and will not have a married servant. In any case, here is the money. Marry, and have it as a dower. Follow me, and it is your first two years' wages in advance. Nicole took the purse from her hand and kissed it. The lady watched her go away and muttered, She is happy, for she loves. Nicole, in five minutes, was at the window of Gilbert's room at the back of which he was turning over his things. "'I have come to tell you that my mistress wants me to go with her to Paris.' "'Good,' said the young man. "'Unless I get married and settled here.' "'Are you still thinking of that?' he asked without any feeling. "'Particularly since I am rich from my lady dowering me.' And she showed the bright gold a pretty sum he said dryly that is not all my lord is going to be rich 
he will build the castle and the house will have to be guarded by the happy mate of nicole suggested gilbert with irony not sufficiently wrapped up not to wound the girl though she contained herself i refuse the offer for i am not going to bury myself here when paris is open to me also paris is my stage do you understand and mine and i understand you you may not regret me but you will fear me and blush to see to what you drive me i longed to be an honest woman but when i was leaning over the verge you repulsed me instead of pulling me back i am slipping and i shall fall and heaven will ask you to account for the loss farewell gilbert the proud girl spun round with anger now or impatience having exhausted all her generosity of soul gilbert quietly closed the window and resumed the mysterious business which nicole's coming had interrupted she returned to her mistress with a deliberate air i shall not marry she said but your great love it is not worth the kindness your ladyship has done me i belong to you and shall ever so belong i know the mistress which heaven gave me but i might never know the master whom i give myself andrea was touched by this display of emotion which she was far from expecting in the maid she was of course ignorant that nicole was making her a pillow to fall back upon she smiled to believe a human creature was better than she estimated you are doing right she said if bliss befalls me you shall have your share but did you settle with your sweetheart i told him that i would have no more to do with him she was restored to her former suspicion and it was fated that the two should never understand each other one with her diamond purity and the other with her tendency to evil meanwhile the baron had packed up his scanty valuables and Labrie shouldered the half-empty trunk containing them to accompany his master out to where the corporal of guards was finishing the wine to the last drop this soldier gallant had remarked the fine waist and pretty limbs of nicole and he was prowling round the pool to see her again he was drawn from his reverie by the baron calling for his carriage saluting him he called in a ringing voice for the driver to come up the avenue Labrie put the trunk on the rack behind with unspeakable pride and delight i am going to ride in the royal coaches he muttered but up behind my old boy corrected beausire with a patronizing smile who is to keep tavernay if you take Labrie, father inquired andrea that lazy philosopher gilbert with his gun he will have ample to eat i warrant for there is plenty of game at tavernay andrea looked at nicole who laughed and added he is a sly dog he will not starve leave him a trifle suggested andrea it will spoil him he is bad enough now if he wants anything we will send him help he would not accept money my lord your gilbert must be pretty proud then thank heaven he is no longer my gilbert deuce take gilbert whoever's property he is 
St. Tavernet, to cut short what annoyed his selfishness. The coach is stopping the way. Get in, daughter. Andrea gave the house a farewell glance and stepped into the vehicle. The baron installed himself next to her, Labri in his glorious livery, and Nicole got upon the box, for the driver turned himself into a postillion and bestrode one of the horses. "'But the corporal?' inquired the baron. "'I ride my charger,' responded Beausire, ogling Nicole, who colored up with pleasure at having so soon replaced the rustic lad with a stylish cavalier. Gilbert stood with his hat off at the gate, and without seeming to see, looked on Andrea alone. She was bending out the opposite window to watch the house to the last. "'Stop a bit,' ordered Baron Tavernet. "'Hark you, Master Idler,' he said to Gilbert. "'You ought to be a happy dog to be left by yourself, as suits a true philosopher. With nobody to bother you or upbraid you, don't let the house catch a fire while you brood, and take care of the watchdog. Go ahead, coachman. Gilbert slammed the gates, groaning for want of oil, and ran back to his little room, where he had his little bundle ready. It also contained his savings in a silver piece. Mahon was howling when he came out and straining at his chain. Am I not cast off like a dog? Why should not a dog be cast off like a man? No, you shall at least be free to seek your livelihood like myself. The liberated dog ran around the house, but finding all the doors closed, he bounded the ruins. Now, we are going to see who fares the better. Man or dog, said Gilbert. Farewell, mansion, where I have suffered and where all despised me where bread was cast to me with the reproach that I was stealing it by making no return. Farewell. No. Curses on you. My heart leaps with joy at no longer being jailed up in your walls. Forever be a cursed prison, hell, lair of tyrants. End of chapter 13. Recording by John Van Stan. Savannah, Georgia.